Good morning, church. So good to be back to be with you all again in this Sunday service. We will continue our studies in Paul's letter to the first Thessalonians. And today I'm going to share with you a message entitled, The Heartfelt Desires of a Pastor. The Heartfelt Desires of a Pastor. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for the week that has gone by and we want to thank you for all the protection you've given to every one of us, Lord. And we look forward every week to look, to look into your word so that we are built up in our spirit, man, to face the challenges that lie ahead of us, knowing very well, Father Lord, that you've called us again and again to remain faithful to the very end. So help me this morning, Father, even as I look into your word, to communicate what is in your heart that I do so precisely and accurately, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The passage I'm going to read to you today, it's a long passage. I may not read it to you in one go because it is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 to Chapter 3, verse 10. So I, I just put the, 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 the passage up and uh, you read it in your own Bible. But believe me, as we go down the message, we will read the whole passage together, chunk by chunk. Let me begin by saying this, that what we see in this passage is the heartfelt part of Paul's letter to the Thessalonian church. I don't know about you, but nowadays we don't write letters. When I say write letters, I mean write it with your hand. I remember those days when I was courting Pastor Lee Chu. She was a, a medical student in Edinburgh and I was an SHO, Senior House Officer in Birmingham. So even though we were separated, guess what? We write letters. So for me, I, I look forward to her letters, you know. So I, every week, I look forward to her letters. And when I get a letter, I, I can't wait to open it. And guess what? I will read it many times. Why? Because these letters are personal letters from the one I loved and from me to her. And, and, and one day, you know something? I, I asked her when I met her, Hey, uh, darling, uh, you know, uh, your letters to me, uh, I keep, you know, and I read many, many times. Uh, what do you do with my letters? Huh? Without hesitation, she turned to me. I throw it all away. Why? I don't want to clutter my drawers, she said. I was so disappointed. But now you know who is a romantic one, right? Paul, very, very intimate, very close in his letter to the Thessalonians in this passage. And I see five concerns, five heartfelt concerns, five heartfelt desires of Pastor Paul. And these are the five heartfelt desires of a pastor. Paul says, I want to be present with you on earth. Second concern, second desire. I want to be proud of you in heaven. The third desire from the heart of Paul, 
Pastor Paul, I, I want to prepare you for the hard times to come. And the fourth concern, hey church, I want to praise God for who you are in Christ. And the fifth concern from Paul's heart is, church, I want to pray for you. Let's look at the first heartfelt desire of Paul. I want to be with you on the earth. So he reads, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17 to verse 18. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. In other words, I long to be with you physically, but we wanted, we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. Wow. It tells me that the intense desire of Pastor Paul to be with the church. Why? Because if we read Acts chapter 17 on the origin of the Thessalonian church, actually Paul was only there for three Sabbaths, that was three weeks. And suddenly in the middle of the night, we read in Acts chapter 17, Paul had to run away. Why? Because some of the people were coming against Paul and Paul had to just leave suddenly in the middle of the night from Thessalonica. Can you imagine if you are a, a member of the Thessalonian church just planted and then you were, you were so excited to see Paul again on the fourth week or the fourth Sabbath and suddenly the elder announced, sorry lah, Paul is not here today. He has left us suddenly. What would you think? Paul? Why? He didn't even say goodbye. Are you a fly-by-night pastor? You don't care, Paul. You don't care. That's why Paul had a lot of accusations, you see. That's why in last week's sermon by Pastor Isaac, a lot of accusations, a lot of misrepresentations. But actually, the truth of the matter is this. Paul wanted very, very much to be with them. Out of our intense longing, he says in verse 17, we made every effort to be with you and we wanted to come to you. Suddenly I did Paul again and again. But what happened? Satan stopped us. How did Satan stop Paul? We don't know. And I don't want to speculate. But I, I can say this one thing. That in spite of the fact that he was stopped by Satan himself, you know, from going back from Corinth, back to the church that he planted. And yet, what the devil meant for evil, God turned it around for good. What do I mean? In spite of the fact that Paul's desire was to be with them physically, but could not, yet we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 
the Thessalonian church grew and grew and grew, became stronger, in effect, be the model church in the whole of Macedonian Archaea. How come? Why? Because right at the outset, God wanted the Thessalonian church not to look towards Paul, but towards God. And they grew. Don't look to men. Don't look to men. Man can fail you, you know, but God will never, never fail you. And another thing that, in spite of the fact that Satan stopped Paul and he wanted to be there physically with them, so he had to send Timothy, you see. I will send Timothy. And guess what? Young Timothy was given firsthand on the job experience to pastor a church plant. Isn't it amazing? And, and because Paul could not be with them physically, that's the reason why we have first and second Thessalonians. Because first Thessalonians was the first epistle that Paul ever wrote in a New Testament. See, what the devil means for evil, God turns it around for good. And, and I want to contextualize it to the present situation, to the present context. You know, we long to meet physically. At least I do. And, and many of my pastors lament that we cannot meet physically, cannot see you, the cells cannot meet physically. You know, in a sense, I, 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 I want to, I'm not saying this, but maybe Satan stopped us. I want to say this, friend. We may be socially distanced, but we are not spiritually distanced. What the devil means for evil, God has turned it around for good. The church is still strong. We are still connected. Amen. We are still growing in the Lord. Amen. And I, I, and I say this, man, I look forward to the day when we can meet physically, right? It won't be long, friends. It won't be long. It will come. It will come. And we can meet again. We can meet again. But in the meantime, come on, stay strong, church. Stay strong. Stay strong. Let's be model believers. Let's not give in. Let's not give up. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What the devil means for evil, God will turn it all around for good. Amen. Amen. Our church will grow stronger. Amen. And, and, and many of our young pastors have actually had first-hand experience. They have grown stronger too. And guess what? Well, I didn't write any epistle. I wrote my book. I wrote my book. Amen. Hallelujah. MCO come. Give me time to write my book. Praise God. So, five heartfelt desires of Paul we see in this passage. First one, Paul says, I want to be present with you on the earth physically, but we can't. Never mind. Second heartfelt desire. Wow. I want to be proud of you in heaven. Where did I get this from? 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 to verse 20. He says this. For what is... Oh, Mike, I tell you, this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Uh, there are several. Uh, I'm going to mention another one in a short while, okay? And I tell you why I like this verse very, very much in the Bible. Verse 19. For what is our hope? 
what is our joy? What is the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes? Not if, uh, when He comes. Certainty. Is it not you? Indeed, Paul says, you are our joy, our glory. You are our glory and our joy. In other words, Paul, Paul is, is, is saying to the Thessalonian church, hey man, when I meet Jesus, when he comes, especially probably at the Bima throne of, 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 of the white, great white throne of judgment, what will be my boast? What will be my joy? What will be my crown that I will cast before the Lord? It is not the size of the church, even though that's important. I think it's important. Even though it's not the physical premise that we worship in, it's good to have good, wonderful physical premises. It is not the wonderful programs that we do. It's not even about the books that we write, the conferences that we, we, we share in. No, no. What, so what is our hope? What is our joy? What is our crown? You, my friend. You. As a pastor, I resonate with what Paul said. This is the reason why this is one of my favorite verses. I always say, why do I do what I do? Is it to give a name for myself? Is it to all these things? No. It's when I see you guys grow. When I see you guys transform and change and loving the Lord and serving Him, it gives me tremendous joy. And I say to the Lord, Lord, it's worth it. Because you are my hope. You are our joy. And you are our crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when He comes. You know, you know something? Nothing excites me more, and I'm saying this sincerely, than to see some of you, before you came to SIBKL, you were downcast, you were disappointed, you were so upset, frustrated, oh, I give up, you know, and you come to SIBKL totally drained out, you know, totally pumped out, burnt out. And yet, now over a short time or a couple of years or, or months, I don't know, I see you changed. I see you serving the Lord. Isn't that joyful? Isn't it amazing? And, and I see some of you uh, uh, growing, growing. A couple of years ago, you were this level, but now I see you, wow, matured, a leader. Wow, that encourages me. And I see some of you even, Watan SIB, you know, accepted the Lord in SIBKL itself, and now you have grown, even become an elder, like Elder Kuntat. Watan SIB, man, saved in SIB, man, <laughs> and now an elder. It encourages me to no end, my friend. You are my hope. 
You are the joy of the pastors. You are our crown. Is it not you? Indeed. You are our glory and our joy. Can I encourage you before I move on? Do the same. Can you do the same? In other words, encourage. Invest in people. You know, um, spend your time encouraging people. Believing in people. Giving hope to people. Bringing joy. Bringing encouragement. Ignite the fire of someone who has been downcast. Bring him back to the Lord so that he will serve and can serve our Jesus again. Isn't it amazing? Do it, church. Do it. So that when we meet the Lord in heaven, oh, we can say, God, look at these people. They are our hope. They are my joy. They are my crown. I present them to you. You know the song that um, I can't sing, you know, but Pastor Jeffrey can sing very well. I wish I have his voice. Only his voice. Huh? And um, I, I can't sing. But I love to sing. You know the song by Ray Bolts. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm so glad you gave. I can't sing. Well, I think I got melody. I don't have the voice. In other words, I, I am not out of tune, I think. Let me encourage you with this second favorite verse of mine. I told you, uh, there are several favorite verses and there are two in this message. And the second favorite verse of mine, and I mean it, and many of you who are following me will know this because I've quoted this many times. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Come and read it with me. Wherever you are, in the room or in the, in the homes, anywhere, come on church, let's read it with me and hear the heart of God. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Everybody, one, two, three. God is not unjust. Stop, stop. Can't hear you. I want to hear you all the way from Cheras, from Kepong, from Bangsa, whatever you are. Come on, let's read it together. Husband, father, mother, children. One more time, let's all read it loud. Are you ready? One, two, three. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown Him as you have helped His people. And what? Continue to help them. God is a good God. He is no man's debtor, my friend. He will not forget the work that and the love that and the sacrifices that you have shown him as you help his people and encourage them. So can I encourage you? Serve more. Encourage more. Bless people. 
be a channel of blessing more. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. If you agree with me, say amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So these are the heartfelt desires of Pastor Paul. And I'm very sure this would be the heartfelt desires of many pastors, certainly for me. So firstly, we want to be present physically. You see, we want to meet physically. Zoom is it's okay. But after a while, hey, nothing like being there physically, right? Nothing like talking face to face, all right? So I want to be present with you on the earth physically. I want to be proud of you in heaven, all right? And the third heartfelt desire of Paul is this. I want to prepare you for the challenging times that lie ahead. And indeed, the Thessalonian church experienced tremendous challenging times. So let me read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 5. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. So what did we do? We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker, in spreading the gospel of Christ. To do what? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by those trials. So trials, yes. They were going through a lot of trials. So that's why Paul sent Timothy to encourage them and strengthen them in their faith through those trials. And you know quite well that we were destined for them, not destined for the trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. You will go through difficulties. You will go to tribulations. And it turned out that way, as you all know that, right? For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith by sending Timothy. And I was afraid that in some way, the tempter might have tempted you. Temptations will come, my friend. Trials will come. And our efforts might have been useless. You, you know, a couple of weeks ago, when I started Revelation, First Thessalonians chapter 1, there was one phrase that I missed out. And Pastor Lee just reminded me, hey, you missed out that very important phrase. And what is it? This is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6. He says this, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, in spite of severe suffering. And it's very much in keeping with this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. Paul says, you would be persecuted. I told you that. I told you that. You will go to trials. And I'm very concerned that in some way, the tempter might have tempted you. But, but I want to prepare you, friends. I want to prepare you for the challenging times ahead so that in the midst of severe suffering, you will stand firm. Don't give up. Remain faithful to the Lord. And I, and I believe this, my friend. The reason why we are doing the end time epistles and why I'm teaching revelations every Saturday morning, and you've heard me say this before and I want to reiterate, is because the time is near. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. What is near? It's not that the Lord will come tomorrow, no. Don't you agree that we are facing challenging times? And in some way, when the great tribulation comes, it is my conviction 
that the church will go through the great tribulation. And when we study the word of God in the book of tribulation, it is to give us heightened alertness. It is to prepare us to face the trials like what Paul is saying to the Thessalonian church. I want to prepare you, my friend. I want to prepare you for what lies ahead. Things are not going to get better spiritually, definitely. I don't know about economically. But get ready. Get ready. That is the whole crux of, of why we are doing revelations today. And I want to say this to you, my friend. Can we take it seriously? Can, can we really take it seriously that, that God wants to prepare us and, and I'm just doing what the Lord wants us to do to prepare us for the challenging times that lies ahead of us? The fourth concern of Paul. Wow, so important. And it's so, so wonderful. I, I, I love this passage of scripture and I love this whole passage that I'm sharing with you because it mirrors what is in my heart. That, that not only do I want to be present physically to meet with all of us again, and it will come, believe me, it will come when the COVID numbers go down, we can meet again and nothing like being physically present in the church together to worship the Lord, believe me. And I look forward to that day. I'm sure you too. I want to be proud of you in heaven, my friend. I want to be proud of you. I want to boast of you. And I want to prepare you on the earth for the challenging times that lie ahead. And fourthly, I want to praise the Lord for all of you now. Why does Paul thank the Lord for the Thessalonian church? He gives them these reasons. Let me read now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to verse 9. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and your love. Wow, I want to thank God because I hear that you have tremendous faith, you know. And the good news, the good news or not bad news, sir, that you have love. And he told us that you have always had pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as much as we long to see you is mutual. Therefore, verse 7, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, in all the suffering that we're going through, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And not only that, for now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. And I thank God that you are standing firm in the Lord. I thank God for you. That's what he says in verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? I want to say to you, my friend, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being who you are. I want to thank you for your faith and your love. I want to thank you for pleasant memories. I don't know about you, my friend. When I think back on the years that we have journeyed together in SIBKL, some of you have been with me for 26 years, right from the beginning, some shorter. But, but can we recall pleasant memories? 
I don't know. I I I thank the Lord that this journey together has been awesome. Well, yeah, there were difficult days, but generally, we have moved forward as a church. And, and I'm so encouraged about you because of your faith and that you are all standing firm in the Lord and you have given me great joy and I hope that I have given you great joy. You see, you see the, the, the personalness, personalness and, and, the, and the closeness and the warmth of this letter and it's all heartfelt. And, and, I, and I want to recall a couple of good things, good memories. Hey, do you remember or not? Penampang. Do you remember E17 or not in Penampang? PJB17. Oh, how many of you were there? Me. Do you remember Ranau? Do you remember Kudat? Do you remember Kenningau? And who can forget Malam Pentecostal in Kuching 2019? Who can forget this? Pleasant memories. And I thank God for them. And I thank God for you. And who else can forget our 25th anniversary celebration? on 2019 November. Whoa! Who can forget? Our story. Your story. Remember the tagline? Listen to me, my friend. Let's keep these pleasant memories, not as a pure sentiment alone, but to encourage us. Man, we have a good church. And more importantly, we have a good God. The fifth heartfelt desire of Pastor Paul and my heart as well is, friend, I want to pray for you. I want to pray. And Paul ends this segment with this prayer, verse 10 to verse 13. And, we, and I want to end with this prayer. I want to turn it into a prayer in a short while. Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Verse 11. And now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to make to you again. And my prayer is church. My prayer is the Father God will clear the way for us to meet physically again. Amen. Clear the way so that we can gather and worship the Lord together again. And my prayer is may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other in the church and those of you of other churches as well. Overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And my prayer is may He strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless, not sinless. Nobody is sinless, but we can be blameless before God. Because why? When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that the devil, the accuser, have no hold on us. My prayer is you will be blameless. I will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all His holy ones. Friends, let's encourage one another. In these difficult days that lie ahead, let's not stop serving. Let's not stop encouraging. Let's not be mediocre. Let's not be lukewarm. Let's, again, you heard me say this how many times? Please don't just listen to me. Just words. 
Do it, my friend. Come out of it. Come out of it. Serve God. Love God with all your heart, my friend. Be a channel of blessing. Inspire, encourage, empower. Hallelujah. Let me close. In 1995, there was a movie entitled Mr. Holland's Opus, starring Richard Dreyfus, and uh, he was actually nominated for an Oscar for his role as Glenn Holland in this movie. What happens in this movie was that he was uh, a music teacher and he wanted always to compose a symphony, an opus, which is a composition of sorts, musical composition of sorts. And, uh, but he didn't make it in life. So he became a music teacher in a high school. Fast forward, after 35 years of serving as a teacher, the scene changed to him packing his bags and his things because it was his last day. And as he was walking out of his room, he heard a noise in the auditorium. So he went and opened the door. And when he opened the door, to his surprise, he saw hundreds, if not thousands of people gathered in the auditorium. And among them were his present students, his teachers, his colleagues, and all students. Many of them very successful after 35 years, you see. And, and everybody clap. And over a banner, it says, goodbye, Mr. Holland. And among them was the governor of Oregon. This is from Portland, Oregon. And she gave this wonderful speech. He said this on behalf of all present. Mr. Holland, you have a profound influence in my life and all your lives. And yet I get the feeling, she said, that he considers a great part of his life misspent. Actually, rumor has it that he was always working on his symphony. And this was going to make him famous and rich. But you know something? Mr. Holland isn't rich and he's not famous. So it might be easy for him to think that he's a failure. But he's wrong. Because I believe, the governor said, that success is far beyond riches and fame. Look around you, Mr. Holland. Look around you. And with one sweep of his, her hand, she, she swept around the auditorium. Look around you, Mr. Sir. There is not one life in this room that you have not touched. And each one of us is a better person because of you. We are your symphony, Mr. Holland. We are the melodies and the notes of your opus. We are the music of your life. Everyone rose. Give Mr. Holland a standing ovation. Listen, my friend. At the end of our life, may it be said of us that we've encouraged someone at least. At the end of our days in heaven, when we meet the Lord, can it be said that that there are many trophies that we cast a crown, that we cast before the Lord and they are not material things. No, people, 
people whom we have encouraged, people whom we have invested in, people whom, whom we gave to, people whom we even don't know their names, but we help them, the poor, the marginalized, the weak, those who cannot repay you back. But in heaven, they rejoice because you have given your best. They become our melodies, the notes of our opus, the divine music of our lives. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Can we spend a moment of quietness before God while, while we just let the words of this morning's message sink into our spirit, man, so that we want to live our lives in a way that matter, in a way that count for eternity and not waste our time away chasing after shadows. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pray, O oh God, that every one of us, Lord, may live a life worthy, a worthy life, certainly a worthy life, like Corrie Ten Boom, a life, Father, Lord, that reflects the image of Jesus Christ and do what Jesus Christ himself would have done, Father, Lord, so that we don't waste our time. So, God, I want to pray, Lord, that you would bless every one of us today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, let's, let's worship the Lord with this wonderful song composed by Daniel Chua. I'm no longer my own because all of us are bought with a price. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, we are no longer our own because we are bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord, to pay back the debt that we can never repay back. But at least, Lord, out of thanksgiving, out of joy, out of our gratitude to you, Lord, we want to live our lives for your glory so that our lives can be a conduit, a channel of blessing to bless so many people, an opus, a symphony, a music note to bring joy, to bring life, to bring delight to others who are downcast. So God, help us, Lord, to do just that so that, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we will go on serving, we will go on encouraging, we will go on empowering, even though Satan might lay obstacles around our path, maybe discourage us, but Lord, we won't be discouraged. We will overcome. We will go on, Father Lord, and we will live for your glory. Thank you, God. I bless you for a wonderful, wonderful church. And those of you who are outside there, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face towards all of us and always grant us shalom, shalom. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen and amen. The service is over and those of you that need prayer, give us permission to pray for you and pray with you. So go to the chat room down here, the prayer online, and there will be people waiting to pray with you and minister to you. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week.